Hello and welcome to the Patmos Podcast. I'm sure many of you have already seen the video of Dr. Jordan Peterson in his interview with Jonathan Pajot when in their discussion of Christianity of Christ. Dr. Peterson had an intense emotional reaction just to the mere thought of accepting the reality of the symbolic, the reality of Logos, the reality of Christ and his message. And this video is not just about Jordan Peterson, but about all of us. You know, Jordan saw a meteoric rise from basically obscurity to the kind of top of the cultural discussion in a very, very short period of time. And why he is important is different than why he is famous. He is famous because of his disagreements with the canon law of the Church of Woke being implemented in the secular space, i.e. their requirements uh, to use pronouns under the force of secular law in Canada. And this is different, though, than why he's important. He's important be is because he's able to articulate a profound truth or truths in a time that really needs these truths to be spoken loudly. And many, if not most, of those who are have been tasked by God to proclaim these truths either no longer believe in them or are too cowardly to do so for fear the slings and arrows the ascendant satanic faith will call down upon them for doing so. Throughout history we see time and again men and women called by God to be faithful witnesses to the faith and the truth that underline, underlies the faith. They are honored in Christian uh, tradition as saints, and saints are not superhumans. Um, they are perfected in a way, uh, but they're still human. They are honored uh, because of various reasons, and there's different criteria, at least within Catholicism, to become a saint. But through a lengthy investigation, one of the criterion is, is that the church has determined that they are certain they are in heaven. A lot of people we don't know, or grandparents, parents, or whatever, we don't really know for sure uh, what their uh, eternal end is. But with saints, through various criteria, the church is able to ascertain that they are certain that they are in heaven. The church also teaches, though, that every single soul that goes to heaven are themselves saints. So in the Apostles' Creed, when we talk about the communion of saints, we're talking about not St. Basil, St. Francis, St. Benedict, um, although they are included, we're talking about everybody else, every unnamed person throughout history that has attained the heavenly kingdom is in that communion of saints. But we are all called to be saints because we're all called to go to heaven. We're all called to be at the foot of the throne of God. And we're called to be witnesses to the Most High. We are called as, you know, especially in these days, as St. Francis was, to rebuild his church. To anyone of faith that knows the symbolic nature of reality and knows the stories of the prophets of the Old and New Testament, um, they will see and recognize that Jordan Peterson is being called by God for something. It was... In an interview with uh, Duncan Trussell back in 2017, Dr. Peterson related a story of being in a living room, his living room in uh, Toronto, I presume, and he was working on a sculpture. It was some sort of sculpture trying to basically bring um, music 
into kind of the uh, 2D, uh, 3D space. And it was this sculpture that he was working on. And all of a sudden he said he was overcome with, and I quote, he said, the heavens opened up above me, unquote. And it reminded him, and this is what he related uh, specifically, it reminded him of a Renaissance painting where Christ was in the sky, I'm, I'm assuming either with the resurrection or uh, the last days of the judgment. And there was an opening um, above him and light was just blasting out, you know, representing kind of the, the light of heaven uh, coming back onto a evil and fallen earth. And he felt something, and once again, I'll quote him where he said, he felt something descend upon me that had a personal nature, unquote. And he said it filled him from the inside out and it transformed him. And he said that he felt like it was giving him an image of what one could be if they were to work on it all their life. And he relayed that he intimated that it seemed as though it, an offer was being made that he could be like that from that moment on permanently if he wanted to. Now, this is very reminiscent of where saying that, you know, this is how you could be if he worked on it really hard. We, we know that sanctity, that there are different levels of spiritual perfection, different levels of holiness. Uh, we're all called to just a very basic level of it. But when you look at um, certain saints, you will see that they have these levels of not quite perfection, but uh, we're all called to imitate Christ. The second most popular book in the world is called The Imitation of Christ. And in that, it's different lessons on perfecting virtues, whether it's the virtue of humility or chastity or charity. It's all these things. And as you work through and perfect these virtues, you become more holy. You become less less fallen. And in a way, it seemed as though this spirit was calling to give him this kind of perfected virtue, perhaps. But he rejected it. He, he said that, um, this is paraphrasing though, but he said he couldn't fathom how he could live in that state to live in the world any longer, how to function in the world. And the experience, the experience basically he said ended and the experience, the, the spirit uh, kind of accepted his answer. He said that he felt like it accepted his no, his rejection, but that he could feel that there was a sorrow there, that there was a sorrow um, in, in, in that acceptance of his rejection. And we always have to take personal revelation, revelation with, with a lot of skepticism, because there's a lot of people that there's various, um, reasons why you should doubt personal revelation is one, um, people have great imaginations and they may very well not be lying, but they just may be mistaken. And it was something that they came up with in their head. Um, Demons are known as well to be able to uh, fake apparitions and fake these sorts of things. Um, and there, there's ways of being able to uh, tell the validity of something that you are seeing, whether it's holy or not. But that's usually um, left to, to experts within the church that kind of do that um, and have specific criteria that the church has developed over the years. 
Um, but there is no really reason to doubt, at the very least, that Dr. Peterson, you know, doubt, doubt his word that, that he actually experiences. I personally, and this is, once again, this is just my own opinion, and, um, and it's not anything that I hold that strongly, but I personally believe that it was the first time that the Holy Ghost kind of was reaching out to him. He was being called, but then he refused. And why he refused is because he's anchored himself to the material world. He can't let it go. In his own words, when he considered the call, the considered the offer, his concern was not, you know, what will, what will my mission be or how can I best serve God or any of these sorts of things. His concern was the material his concern was, how do I live in the world like this? How could I function in the world like this? He constantly was using um, either the word world or things that, uh, uh, words and, and patterns of speech that would, that are anchored or that were leading to your eyes being pointed down towards the earth of, how will I live amongst the dust if my eyes are lifted towards heaven? He rejected the call to the heavenly because of these concerns for the world. This is precisely why I personally think he's experienced so much pain over um, the last year or so. Uh, we saw in the news his travel to Russia to undergo experimental treatment to get off clonazepam, uh, which is an anti-anxiety drug. His wife had been diagnosed, I believe, last year with a rare kidney cancer and being the, you know, good person and wonderful husband that he is. He stayed by her side the entire ordeal, traveling all over Canada and the United States for treatments and surgeries and things like that. You know, and the, the possibility of losing someone, someone that uh, he related in an earlier interview that he'd been in love with uh, and wanted to marry since he was 11. I guess they met when they were eight and at age 11, he told his parents he was going to marry her. So having that sort of connection and facing the possibility of losing that person is going to be a severe emotional blow to anybody. So, you know, the use of anti-anxiety drugs is perfectly understandable, but this ordeal of pain and suffering that he went through, um, and I think he's been under a level of suffering for a while since he really kind of rose. There, there's a suffering in fame. There's a suffering and the amount of hatred and anger and people constantly trying to destroy you. Like, literally, it's not people trying to, you know, say a few bad things on Twitter and then leave. Like, there literally, there are a lot of people out there who want to see this man destroyed. But I think this ordeal can be, that something can be revealed using a symbolic uh, divine lens. You know, he's still not 100% right now, and he still suffers greatly. And while much of this, you know, obviously it could be physical, like, uh, material effects of the withdrawals and treatment, I think um, he's also suffering because he's being pulled towards a symbolic world, being called to God while trying to maintain this strong footing in the material. And he's being torn apart, like, literally, his soul from, from his physical body. As he tries to serve two masters, this is something I was talking to my friend Vin Armani. Uh, we talked about it after this, uh, the original uh, interview with Jonathan Pajot um, came out. And we were talking about uh, 
the fact that he's trying to serve two masters and and Vin was saying, you know, that's that's literally a recipe for death. You you will die if you try to do that. And you know, just I'm no theologian or anything like that, but uh, it was it was interesting with his, his wife Tammy's illness uh, has you know some symbolic angles as well possibly. Um, the kidneys themselves are mentioned in the Old Testament eleven times, often being associated with wisdom and prudence. Something that his wife is often attributed to have uh, and is a very grounding force in his life. The kidneys are also associated um, in the Bible very much like the heart as kind of symbolic mirrors of that person. Um, and also afflictions of the kidneys can be, be signs of divine punishment. Um, and I'll, I'm not saying that it, that God's punishing her for something or whatever, but I'll, I'll kind of explain that here in just a second. In the uh, book of Job, uh, Job was afflicted with many injuries and ailments as Satan was given authority to attack him in the hopes that he would turn his heart from God. So basically Satan had gone to God and said, you know, there's this guy, Job, he's, he's faithful. And, you know, God was kind of going, yeah, yeah, he's, you know, he's very faithful. And Satan was like, well, if you give me the authority, because remember, Satan has no authority, none except for that which God gives him. So any authority that he does have is because God allows it, which should give you um, some consolation or a, every consolation in that uh, he cannot win. Because how can somebody win against the thing that he derives his authority from? But anyways, he goes to God and he makes a deal. He's like, hey, give me the authority to, to attack him. And, and you will see as soon as you pull your grace and you pull your blessings away, Job will turn against you. And Job didn't. But when, when, you, know, when you are married, two, two become one through God, through the sacrament of, of, of matrimony, you too become one through God's grace. And when you're in that state of abiding love, and that doesn't also just happen because you had the sacrament. I mean, it takes work. Um, it takes work, especially because you have the passionate love, the arrows right at the beginning, but to get that to that level of that abiding, that, that, the, the Christian agape love, um, towards the spouse, it, it does take a lot of work. It takes work every day to get to that. And what affects your beloved affects you as well. Um, and for one spouse to be afflicted with something, you are very much also afflicted with it. And during her illnesses, while well, Tammy began to actually reconnect with God, she began praying with her Catholic friend, Queenie, and has in interviews described herself as kind of feeling reborn um, and has attended church. I don't know exactly what level of, of, of deepness of faith that she has reached at this moment or anything, but that's not really of a consequence, but it is interesting as well. And I'm not saying I know with any sort of certainty that God has allowed these things to happen to call um, Jordan and Tammy to the church, but I'm saying it does seem to follow a, a pattern, a symbolic pattern. However, for as many jobs there are and have been in the history of the faith and in the church that have been attacked, um, I can't remember the saint now uh, right up top of my head, but he basically began to be afflicted by demonic obsession, banging on walls and 
and things like that and at night and it literally lasted for his whole life um and that was obviously something that god allowed it was a way for him to become more spiritually purified through this suffering through this affliction um but as for as many jobs that do say no i still follow god there are a thousand jobs who do turn their back on god and curse his name for their afflictions and i really only hope and pray that this experience and continued um Continued suffering, because suffering is a way to purify the soul if you accept it. If you reject it, that is where resentment comes in. But I hope that this process um, allows him to finally accept his calling, accept the Holy Ghost into himself and, and follow God's path. You know, every, every day, every night, I thank God for all his gifts. I thank him for his death and resurrection. I thank him for life. I thank him for my family. Um, I can't remember exactly what I was reading, but um, they were talking about how often, you know, and it's not that God doesn't want you to turn to him for help and say, I'm having trouble figuring this out, or I lost my job. Please help me find a new job or whatever. He wants us to come to him for that. But also a lot of times we end up forgetting to just say, thank you. And so I've kind of put that into my my regular prayer life of always starting off with thanks for all these things that he has given me and also the sacrifices and just the my very existence. But I also tell him um, in these prayers, um, and this has been more recent as I've realized a few more things, um, I ask him to make me his instrument to guide me to let his will be done and, and to give my assent that, that yes, I will follow. And many of you listening, including myself, other than a, a few different experiences, but haven't, haven't ever really had this same type of experience that he was describing, you know, the heavens opening and the spirit descending and filling you and asking you to follow. We have, however, all had some call at points in our life and often we don't recognize it until later if ever at all you know when we close ourselves off to god through sin it's like putting on earmuffs and blocking out like the the more sin and the more knows it's just like you you get these and a lot of people go well i've never heard that i've never felt any call to god or i've never you know well it's because you're plugging your ears and you're not purposely not listening and the more that you do it's just these deeper and deeper earmuffs even if he was yelling at you you probably aren't even going to hear or not even know to look or what you're looking at you know th these these sorts of calls could be something as simple as you've haven't been practicing your faith it's been 10 years since you've other than when you go home for christmas that you've ever set foot in a church and because some be something simple as you driving by, seeing a church happens to be 10, 15, 11 o'clock, whatever, and you look over and it's 10 minutes before mass begins and you feel this tinge of I should go in. Or, you know, you're getting ready to bed and you have this passing moment one night and you feel like you don't know where it came from, but that you feel like maybe I should go pray. You know, I've, I've, I've had those where I'm trying to, as part of my spiritual practice, uh, the more I listen to people who actually 
do have a good handle on these things is that you need a regiment. And it's it's something um, I'll write about my own experience and, and maybe uh, write and, and record. Uh, but that it's very important to have a regiment getting up at the same time. It's the reason the military does it. You have a you have a specific time to get up in the morning. You go do your runs. You get back. You shower. You have specific time for training. Specific specific times for lunch, dinner, specific times for when lights out and all that kind of stuff. Right. The reason that they do that is because if you force that. You know, because they do have a force of sorts, you end up, it becomes second nature, and that's what a regiment is for, right? So, I, I, um, it was about a month ago or whatever, I'd been busy and, and kids and stuff like that, and I, I didn't get to bed until later, and I was just exhausted, and I was showered and got everything ready for the next day, and then I just crawled into bed, and I went, oh, I forgot my night prayers, right? So, I sat there, and I was like, I, I just really want to go to sleep, and then I was like, no, I gotta. I have to make this. And I, that was before I really started a regimen of going like, okay, at this time I do this, this time I do this. But so I got out of bed and I went and said, you know, my, um, liturgy of the hours, um, and the other prayers that I say at night. And then, I, you know, went to bed. Um, but it's, it's, it's just one of those things where, you know, those small moments, uh, they, you know, they, they feel like that. They feel like just these small moments, you'll have that, that passing thought. And then all of a sudden they get swallowed up by the next thing on our plate. Right. And you go, Oh, I forgot to do the kids lunches for tomorrow. Oh, I need to set this out for work in the morning. Oh, you know, I need to change over the laundry actually, cause I need my pants out there, you know, for work tomorrow or whatever. Right. And the next, the next thing pops up. And so we have to grab hold of those moments and we can't let them pass by. And we have to understand that they are called that those moments happen because they're calling us to holiness it's in those small moments that for many of us god is calling to us to do something you know so many of us today are just walking dead we're broken unable to function feeling deep emptiness inside and jumping from one cultural fix to the next it's you know i do juice squeezes and then you know shakeology and then i do vegetarian but then i'm doing hot yoga and then, you know, that was okay for a while. But then, you know, then I got depressed. So then, you know, then my friend was telling me about Reiki. And then, oh, and then, you know, I saw Madonna doing Kabbalah. So I'm going to do that. And this is all just refined sugar. Refined sugar of material wellness and spirituality. This refined sugar, it surges. We feel real great. We tell everyone I've never felt better in my life. And this is great. And I can't believe that, you know, I didn't know what this felt like before. And then crashes. And then you start looking for the next fix and you hear your friend, what do you go do? Oh, you do this? Okay, well, I'll try that. Then the surge and then the crash. We're looking for that new cure, that new fix, the new novelty. And the truth is only in Christ and in his church can we be saved and can we actually have that true fulfillment. And we have to take that leap from the material to the symbolic from the world to the divine. And it isn't going to make sense all the time or any of the time. It isn't going to be easy. It isn't going to jive with how you understand the world. If it was easy, if it was easy, then hell would be empty. If it was easy, then there wouldn't be needs, uh, a need for someone like me to be talking or Jordan Peterson to be talking or for there to have been missionaries and, and constant re-evangelization and reforms and re-evangelizations and St. Francis to rebuild the church. If it was easy, 
there'd be no value to it, to be honest. If it was easy, then then there's there's no value with with every great prize. There's great sacrifice that's required for it. But it's only in this leap that we must take that we can in that leap of faith that we that we can really take that first step towards coming home in the loving embrace of God. Like you you see this with uh, with people online and you know, the a lot of people they're they're sitting there and they're trying to especially when it's I don't really consider them atheists per se but because if they're asking the question more often I would say they're agnostic agnostic because if you actually don't believe that there is a god then there's no point in really going well if you could you know I'm trying to work it out how would this work and it's like yeah if you sit there and go like well I need a materialist explanation that will lead me to the divine it's like well you're going to be waiting your whole life you're going to end up dying. And by the time that you get your proof, it's going to be too late to do anything about it. Because the only chance that we have for salvation is while we're here on earth. We don't get another shot. There is no reincarnation. There's no do-overs. Everything that we do here affects what happens after. You know, kind of like the... Uh, uh, in the 300, you know, what we do now uh, resounds in the afterlife, which is, you know, they were pagans, but it doesn't mean that they weren't incorrect in a way. You know, just to close up, let, you know, I think we should all pray that Dr. Peterson answers the call, that he invites God in the Holy Ghost and accepts the charge that God has prepared for him. Um, let us also pray that, like him, we can answer our own calls to faith and holiness and that we can persevere, and that we can continue to move forward, because it's only going to get harder from here. We're not heading into good times. We are not heading into easier times to be someone of faith. We're not heading into where you can kind of just do, you know, uh, you know Christmas and Easter, you know, and, and be okay. It's never really been like that, but it's only going to get harder. But let's pray that we can, you know, answer our own calls and persevere in that manner because the cost of ignoring these calls the cost of ignoring our calls to faith is great and is as great as the reward for accepting nothing less than eternal salvation or damnation is at stake thank you for watching and thank you for listening